Welcome along to the Drop the Label podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Labels are all around us. We use them freely and often without thought. This podcast is an exploration of various labels discussed with various guests from different perspectives. We want to get people thinking about labels in their simplest form so that they adopt those that serve their higher self and drop those labels that hold them back in life. Thank you for listening. Will you drop the label? This podcast is brought to you by RT Fitness Durham and Sunderland, home of Team Carnage and the Barbell Club. We are the North East's premier transformation facility, taking you from absolute beginner to photoshoot ready. You just got to do the work. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Barbell Club or RT Fitness Durham and Sunderland or over on our website, www.rtfitness.uk. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Tom Rennick from Atom Banking. Tom turned interviewer throughout and we discuss labels such as posh, skinny and slut. We also explore class divisions and how they change the tone and use of certain labels. Briefly, but almost certainly leaving a lot left unsaid, we touched on mental health too, sparking the debate of a stiff upper lip. So without further ado, here's the episode with my brother from another mother. Hello and welcome to Drop the Label podcast. Uh, today I have the lovely Tom Rennick joining me. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Tom, so I am uh, 30 uh, and I work in Durham and uh, live in the North East. Right, okay. Where, where do you work in Durham? So I work for Atom Bank, um, which is kind of a, a uh, startup digital bank. Um, so I've been there for coming on to seven years now, which has been kind of an exciting journey. Excellent, good stuff. So obviously, um, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is to discuss labels. Um, what label you give to yourself, what label you give to other people. Um, obviously, the judgment that comes into it and how some labels hold us back in life. So the idea is to be quite thought-provoking, really, so that people start considering the labels that they use and maybe dropping some of them that, that do hold them back. What's your take on labels in general? So I think, you know, Labels are real and they're, 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 they can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. I think, you know, when they start to influence people's identity, I think particularly at a young age. And, you know, it, it's a difficult and quite emotive topic. And, you know, I think it, it gets caught up, I think, really recently in lots of discussions about gendered labels mm-hmm. um, and gender identity. And it's quite hard to kind of move away from that as, the, you know, a, a topic of conversation. Um, and I've got, I suppose, you know, it's from a position of privilege. I think you're, you're all able to from a position of privilege as well. You know, I'm, I'm kind of white, I'm straight, I'm you know, not in any way neurodiverse. Uh, and so I think some of the labels that might have been assigned to me, maybe you've been unaware of, but I'm not sure they necessarily can help me back in the same way that they have for other people. Right. Okay. So if there was any sort of particular label that you would attribute to yourself, I mean... I know we, before we even started the podcast, you said, oh, well, I don't have any labels, but you've straight away just said there, you know, I'm straight, I'm white. Do you know what I mean? You've, you, you sort of subconsciously do have those labels, but maybe you don't think about them as much. Yeah, I, I suppose that, you know, they're, they're very much kind of enshrined in your kind of self-identity. You, you can't change those things. Mm-hmm. They kind of are who you are. I think, you know, whereby someone is assigning a label and then your behaviour almost kind of you know, mirrors that label over a period of time. Mm-hmm. That's much more problematic. In what way? Oh, how controversial do you want to be? 
as controversial <laughs> as you like, Tom. How, P, how PG do you want to be as well? <laughs> I don't know. You know. You know me, Tom. I've been dropping F-bombs in everyone. And, so what, what, and what, what, what do we think about some of the worst, some of the worst labels you could assign to people? Like, so what, what if it's, well, I'm not going to call you a slut, but if, I, <laughs> if we set, use that word, that's, that's, that's pretty, you know, emotive, isn't it? it? Is. And, and, and that's kind of been a word that's kind of been, I suppose, used to, you know, you never, you know, as a guy, you very rarely get, you don't get slut shamed, right? Do you? 100%. You know, um, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of, a, it's a double standard, you know, it's kind of stud player, kind of, you know, I guess fuck boys kind of crept into vernacular a little bit more recently, but... <laughs> um, uh, you know, as a word that's been used to, I guess, control female promiscuity and, and sexuality, and you know, that's quite an interesting one. It is. It is. I've personally never been called a slut. Um, I'm not going to call you that now. <laughs> well, you, you would have no justification to call me that because, you know, you, you, well, you don't know. Um, but I like to think that I don't give off that vibe. But see, it's again, I'm, I'm straight. You're creeping into it, though. I'm creeping into it. I'm Have you ever called someone a slut? Oof. Possibly. Yeah, I will have. Uh huh. I mean, that was the whole, obviously, the whole point of this um, podcast was a reflection that I've been doing in some of the words that I use and some of the labels that I use. And, and I want to drop the labels that I use for some people, especially when they're used in a judgmental way. Mm. And I suppose it's. It's because I want to grow as a person and not have that. Um, but yeah, definitely, for sure, in the past, I'll have called someone a slut. Um, and actually, now that you've said it, it's like, oh, God, I have. You're like, it's quite, it's quite like a... It is, it's like a, a, a sort of gut-wrenching, like, I have, and that person might not have... Again, might not have. It's like, I'm still sort of just justifying the fact that they might have been, and I've used it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a difficult one. There's loads of kind of words like that. Are kind of, they've just got so... I guess we use it as an insult, but actually, if you take that to heart, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it really kind of influences people's behaviour. I suppose if, if, if I had been that way inclined and I had been called that, would I then have started to think, well, everyone thinks I'm a slut, so I might as well be one. I wonder how often that actually comes into practice with people. If they think that that's what people view them as, then do they then start to hammer it up, I suppose? Possibly because the other way, though, doesn't it? That actually, because the whole, that's the whole sh- slut-shaming phenomenon, is that you know, actually you can feel that you have to kind of hide your you know, sexuality and mm-hmm. that it's something that we shouldn't talk about and you can't be kind of, um, uh, you're kind of positive mm-hmm. talking about sex. Because that's the thing, I mean, at the end of the day... We are all sexual beings at the end. Like, that's, that, that's the whole purpose, isn't it? You know, we... The whole purpose we, of life. We're not, <laughs> well, it is. It's a massive factor. It's like, even when people talk about sex and relationships and things like that, it is. It, it's a massive factor. It is a huge element of, of life. Um, and like you said, it, it, it is very gender-specific as well. Like, you don't get men being called a slut. You just, you just don't. Hmm. Um, unless then you go into the other label. If, if someone's gay then you might then reference them as a slut. Um, but it is still seen as a very much a, f- a feminine sort of characteristic. Yeah. Which is a shame, really. But it is, it's, it's definitely one of those words that's definitely a negative. I said definitely twice in the same sentence there, did you say? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, 
Obviously, through your life, yeah. um, you know, you, you mentioned at the, at the very start that it starts early in life, someone might label you something and, and therefore your, your sort of behaviours and everything change from that point. Is there anyone, because I touched on it last week with Caroline about how, um, you know, we do, we do get labelled as, as children and it mm. tends to be from our parents first or our teachers. Mm. And because we've put them in such a position of authority, we put them on a pedestal sort of, um, we do start to really take what they say about us to heart. Would you say you've been given any labels from, from people in positions of authority as a young person and then sort of gone on from there and, and they've sort of took a hold as part of your identity? Probably not labels with negative connotations, which is interesting actually, in terms of you could all drop the label kind of from there. So yeah, I guess, you know, if you think about kind of encouragement mm -hmm. in kind of as a child and kind of adolescence and you know, yeah, I was probably certainly kind of attributed with, you know, a smart or kind of brainy type. Never nerd, it never had, the, it had never kind of went that far, but um, as a label. Um, and actually, as we go, if you talk about kind of identity and kind of trying to instill a sense of you know, what we can perceive as good behaviour, that's probably not a bad one to be labelled, mm -hmm. particularly when you're kind of, kind of growing up. Um, although I suppose you know, elsewhere in the classroom, if, if people aren't kind of you know, perceived as that, you know, that's you know, inherently kind of a little bit exclusionary. Yeah. You think, okay, well, what, what's wrong with me if I'm not being you know, called smart? Or not, and you, you know, a lot of people at that age don't realise what they have to offer. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely one that I've probably encountered, but not a bad one, I don't think. Yeah, it, it is quite a positive, a positive label to have. But I suppose on the other side of the coin, then you've got, you've got some of your classmates who maybe haven't been given that nourishment that you've been given, yeah. and they don't realise the potential. And what sort of labels would you think that they might give themselves in that sense or as kids do lashing out at school if they don't feel that way and they aren't being nourished would then maybe maybe they would reference you as a, as a nerd over the smart without you realizing it yeah possibly i think i think you know it, when you're not there's definitely a bit of an us and them thing at school, isn't there? Yeah, I think regardless of, of kind of what label you want to assign to it, it's very tribal. <laughs> you know, it, it, it always has been, it always kind of will be. You know, it's, uh, you kind of have stereotypes, you have different kind of groups, and um, I guess kind of inevitably they do have kind of labels. Um, I'm trying to think back as to, you know, what, what you call people at school. I mean, you always have groups of chaves, don't you? <laughs> like, that, that's just kind of, a, you know, an identity that I think some people foster. Yeah. Whether they deserve it or not is, I'm not sure I should say, but... You're not sure you should say. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely truth. Occasionally there's truth in it, though. Yeah. I think. I know, I've been called a chav. How'd that make you feel? At the time, I suppose I wasn't that bothered. Massively. Looking back, I probably maybe should have been a little bit more bothered. I mean, people will look at me now and, and sometimes say I'm a chav because I spend my life in tracksuit bottoms. But... I work in a gym, you know. There's, there's a perfectly good explanation as to why I do sort of dress in that way, and it's often sort of your, your visual, what you see of a person first brings about the label chav in itself. And mm. then I open my mouth, and I'm obviously a very strong macam, unless I use my phone voice. Um, and that sort of backs up the whole chav thing, I think. I, think, I definitely think, um, yeah... 
I revert back to me sort of young Mac himself in certain conversations, depending on who I'm talking to and things like that as well. It's sort of quite comforting. Are you conscious of that as well, your kind of accent? Um, when I'm on the phone, yes. If I'm talking to someone who I've never spoken to, yes. Um, because sometimes I think it makes me sound less intelligent. Should I be saying that? No. <laughs> it's the truth. It's, 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 it's the truth. At the end of the day, sometimes I do feel like my accent makes me sound less, less intelligent. Um, and I think people have a preconceived idea of what I'm going to be like if they hear sort of my normal, mm. normal twang. Um, but I know sometimes, like, if I'm, if I'm with certain groups of my family, like, it comes out even more because I'm more comfortable in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I'll get home and, like, Ross will say, I can't understand what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> because I've literally gone that far. Um, but, yeah, I suppose it did. I, like, I do think about it quite a lot. Um, being kind of Trav is a weird one because I'm not sure what it means anymore. It's kind of, you know, I think it you did used to mean something in terms of more of a subculture when mm -hmm. I was growing up, but now it's just a bit of a, a kind of a catch-all. I guess where it becomes really quite dangerous, and I know it's kind of been written about extensively, is that, you know, it's connotations about, you know, a class divide. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, it's not at all about, you know, the Burberry tracksuit and the hat. It's, it's you know, lower class. Yeah. And yeah, as a label there, that's quite, you know, something hurtful and, and harmful. Definitely, but uh, where we talk about Chav, so far, I, th I suppose I focused on the negative connotations of it, really. Um, but if you were actually to have a conversation with someone who identified as a Chav, you know, they might not see it as negative. It's sort of their part of part of their. Does, does anyone identify as a Chav? No. Because, it, because it's considered such a negative label. I think once more time people did, mm -hmm. because it was like a subculture, like kind of, kind of goths or kind of emos or, you know, mm -hmm. mods or whatever. But I'm not sure they do anymore because the, the label is so negative. Mm. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the don't. But it is where, obviously, you were talking about the class divide there. I thought, like, even just, just when you mentioned the, um, the Burberry caps, mm. I remember a time when, when Burberry came out um, and my mum quite likes the designer labels and, and, and she had a few Burberry shirts and, you know, handbag and all that carry on. And then as soon as sort of was, it was then seen as a, as, as a chavvy kind of designer brand, she stopped wearing it and was like, well, what are you doing? She was like, well, the chavs wear it now. I can't wear it because, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it immediately devalued that brand to my mum. Which is quite sad, really, to think like that. That's true, though. There's brands like that now. Stone Island's one, I think, whereby you, you get a lot of... I'm not sure how to describe the people that can wear it, but um, uh, it's definitely less, pop I think less popular mm -hmm. because of it. But it's quite mental, really, because some of these brands... Like, you always... Well, you don't always, but possibly always. Associate, like, where you said, Chav, you know, lower class generally lower class, less money. But, you know, it's quite... They're, they're quite expensive brands. Stone Island is oh, an God, expensive yeah, yeah, brand, yeah. like... So then it's sort of backwards that we're calling them lower class because they've got the money to buy this stuff. And I mean, yes, again, judgment was going to fall out of my mouth there. A lot of it's on tick. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, you know, they are, they are trying to sort of brand themselves out of... A lower class situation, label. 
do you have any labels from me because you what what you consider my class to be? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I had this conversation wow. with Ross actually. <laughs> well, before before today. Before today, okay, yes. Okay. So I'm ready for an assault. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I was talking to Ross about how labels can totally change your relationship with a person if you let it. Yeah. Like sometimes it completely stops you from actually even nurturing or developing a relationship with a person if you've got a preconceived idea as to what that person is. Mm. So I remember when you started, um, and, I, and I did call you Posh Tom. You were Posh Tom. To who? Sorry, to Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh and I remember Ross asked me to, to cover a PT session with you. And I said to Ross, I said, I'm dead nervous. He's like, why are you nervous? And I was like, because it's Posh Tom, like, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> he's very well-spoken. He's from a, a, you know, a good background. He's got a good family. Um, and I'm just Sarah from Council Estate. And, and you make me sound like a celebrity. <laughs> but no, I suppose in a way it was like, I was kind of putting you on that pedestal. Like, I sort of had this expectation that you were going to want more from me than I was maybe in a position to give. Mm -hmm. Because I did just see myself then, I was, you know, PT, Sarah from Accounts to State. What am I going to have in common with Tom? What am I going to be able to talk about? Is he going to listen to anything I've got to say? Like, what, what's going to happen here? And it was like, oh. But then when actually I got talking to you, and over the, the next sort of few sessions that I did cover, and I got to know you, it was like, I, I didn't need to worry about it at mm. all. Because... I suppose coming from the background that I've come from and knowing how other people judge people from the backgrounds and, and how they speak and everything else, it was like, uh, I did have that preconceived idea as to the fact that maybe you would be a bit of a snob, because I think that goes hand in hand with the label posh. Probably am, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, you might be in certain circumstances, but you, you sort of you didn't ever show that with me. Mm. Sort of like you were interested in what I was, well, you appeared to be interested in what I was saying, but you actually had a conversation with us and it wasn't like you were above me. It wasn't like, I never felt like I had to change who I was to accommodate who you were. So have you had experiences in the past that kind of, you know, moulded that mindset in terms of how you would kind of approach as was talking to me? I suppose, yeah, 100%. Where, where was that? Um, I mean, I, 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 well, I wonder if I'm going this. I know you're meant to be interviewing me. But, I know um, I did it, yeah. I feel like I'm getting interviewed. This, this is always going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, University is a really interesting environment. I know, because you went to Northumbria, didn't you? I did. Yeah, and Newcastle and Northumbria universities are kind of um, you're just synonymous with a kind of a class thing, I think, yeah. in particular, because you have a really weird melting pot of, of kind of local Northeast students, to be fair, of which I was one of them. Um, uh, lots of them kind of lived at home, uh, uh, probably not by choice again, actually, you know, probably dictated by financial circumstances. And then a huge influx, you know, 60% plus of seven privately educated students. Um, and, and, you know, as a kind of a melting pot, it's quite interesting mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, and, you know, I've, I'd never met people, some people like that before. Um, uh, and you do have preconceived ideas as mm -hmm. to you know, who they are and kind of what they're like. Um, so is that, I wonder, is that, is that where some of it came from? 
I wouldn't say in university, no. I was quite at home when I went to university because I didn't, I didn't do full time. Mm. So obviously it was always day release. And Stop twisting. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, it was. Um, no, it was day release from work, uh, not prison. And um, I was with a lot of uh, older people. So a lot of us, well, everyone on our course was on day release um, mm. from, from various positions. So I was in university with anyone from the age of 20 to sort of 40, 45 year old. Um, some of them had really, really successful jobs already. They were just sort of... Yeah. Um, getting the next level, sort of, I suppose. So I, I don't think I got it from university, even though, interestingly, when you said about Northumbria and Newcastle, it was technically Northumbria University, but it was called Newcastle Business School. Mm -hmm. And if anyone ever asked, I always say Newcastle Business School. It's a better business school than Newcastle University. When you go back to that, though, is that, you know, I, I come from my first year at uni, in fact, goes in every single year, you have kind of big events, and the event, you know, up and down the country, they do it in Nottingham and, and Liverpool, you know, an event called Polly versus Posh. And, you know, so the insinuation is that, you know, if you go to Newcastle, you're kind of posh, and if you go to Northumbria, somehow that's a lesser university, a lesser education, mm -hmm. and that, you know, again, that kind of class connotation comes back to it. Yeah. And it and kind of pits the two against each other. Oh, and yeah, people, people, people take it on in a kind of humorous kind of way, but... Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've never heard of that, but I would still always reference myself as going to Newcastle Business School over the fact that it was actually Northumbria University. Mm. And they were, they were just somehow merged in that sense. Um, and I suppose it is because somewhere along the line, someone said something and I've automatically assumed Northumbria, uh, Newcastle was the best, better university. Yeah. Well, going back to your original question, <laughs> Mr. Interview Man. Uh, <laughs> I think a, a lot of it's probably come from the circles I've mixed with um, through my parents. Mm. Um, I was brought up on a council estate. Um, you know, normal, normal working class family. Um, and then my stepdad set up his own business, became really successful, started to mix with people, a lot wealthier people. Um, and I suppose that was always, if there was other kids there, or other saying kids, this is up to teenage. I wasn't always in place. I didn't always feel like I should be there, if that makes sense. Like, mm. out, out of place because they were very well spoken, they'd been very well, most often privately educated. Um, yeah, so I did sort of, I went to Farringdon Junior School, South Moor Comp, just in Grange Town in Sunderland, just very standard, comprehensive school. There was talk of us going to a private school at one point and I flat refused because I knew how I would fail. Mm. I knew I wouldn't fail in, you know, I, I would fail out of place there. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose that's gone on in a later life, um, managing a warehouse and being told I had to dress a certain way to mm. show authority with staff, but also show that I was capable of my job to the people who we were servicing. Um, which I always found mental, um, and I, I, ref I refused at one point to do it. It was like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I wear the clothes that I'm comfortable in for the for the role that I do. Um, yes, I was a manager, but I spent a lot of time actually in the warehouse. Um, I'm not going to do that in stilettos and suits, yeah, just to suit other people. Um, so I suppose I came into my own a bit more then. But at first, it was very like nerve-wracking of actually being myself. 
just to demonstrate like that I could do my job. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I guess you know, if, if in the US we'd be talking about race, you know, if we're in the convenience of content, you'd be talking about the caste system. But um, I think the UK still, you know, 100 years on, it, you know, probably from uh, kind of social mobility, still for sort of like class. I think mm -hmm. class is still probably the defining you know, label that we have in this country. Well, it's all I ever see talked about whenever we go into politics and things like that. It's always where the northern people will always vote Labour because Labour's very working class. Um, I suppose I've seen most recent elections that, that sort of started to change. Um, but definitely the narrative's come out a lot more on social media again now that there's, you know, in, or have they just been the elections? Local elections, Local yeah. elections, yeah. Um, it was it was again like let's let's vote someone for the working class, vote someone who's going to support the working class, and and straight away it, it sort of went back to labour again. Mm. And I don't know what the results were. Have they even been done yet? Yeah, yeah, it was a, <laughs> a big swing to kind of labour. Yeah, you can see how I've totally lost <laughs> just politics, just not just disillusioned. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I don't. Th that's the thing. I'm from a working class background, but I, I suppose I don't hold the same political views as a lot of my peers. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether we should go down the politics route. I'll probably get wrong off Ross, because I'm one of these people who I read into what I, I read into things, but I, d I don't think I'm positioned to actually have a, a fully rounded opinion on something. Um, but I'm a strong believer in sort of voting with what's right for you, not what's right for everyone else. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the, I guess, you know, the, the, the classic kind of saying, isn't it, is that, you know, if you're, if you're not a kind of, um, obviously this was said kind of 100 years ago, I think by Winston Churchill, you know, you know, if you're not a liberal at kind of 20, you've got no heart, and if you're not a conservative at 50, you've got no brain. And I guess you, you probably do go through that kind of transformation in your life. Mm -hmm. But you know, actually, you know, you, you, you'll start with very kind of social liberal values and, um, uh, some of the kind of things that we see kind of played out in in social kind of media now can really be prominent. And I think as you get a little bit older, people maybe do become inherently a little bit more selfish. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and they kind of focus on what's right for them, what's right for their family, rather than, I suppose, broader society in mm -hmm. the country. So there's a label then, selfish. Do you see that as positive or negative? It depends on the situation, isn't it? Mm. I suppose it depends on how you, how you embody that that label as selfish. I, I don't think there's many people that are genuinely altruistic and selfless. Um, uh, you're kind of a Mother Teresa type figure. You know, it's it's quite unusual. I think everyone is inherently quite selfish. Mm -hmm. um, it's just to different degrees. Um, because you only get one you know, shot at life and you've got to make it work for, for you. Mm -hmm. I think anyone that kind of dedicates themselves to, you know, a life of kind of servitude and, and helping others is, is to be admired, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not for everyone. It's very few and far between, isn't it? Mm. But I mean, back to the, the topic before we went down University Road, mm -hmm. you asked us obviously what I thought of you. And the oh labels are maybe attributed to you, and, and I was saying obviously posh Tom. Yeah. And I was saying how sometimes we label someone something at first in like just even off what someone else has said. So I'd had very little to do with you up until that point. So Ross was calling me posh. No, Tom. Ross wasn't calling me posh Tom. <laughs> Ross told me about you, and, and I 
you just were posh Tom, okay? <laughs> but that could have potentially stopped me from developing the relationship that I've got with you now. Like, it's totally mm. grown over the years. You've been with us, how many years now? Far too long. Far too long. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but no, it's... Like seven years, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's gone from posh Tom, now, like, you know, you might laugh at it, but you're my brother from another mother Tom. <laughs> and then it's, like, you know, successful Tom. Friend Tom, do you know what I mean? It's mm. like it, it's developed over the years when just me putting that posh Tom label on and my preconceived ideas of the fact that you might have been a bit of a snob and not wanted to talk to us because of my views of myself, that could have totally stopped our relationship being what it now is, yeah, which is a friendship. And, and obviously, like I said to you before, you're someone who I completely respect. And if I ever wanted an opinion on something, I would come to you for it. I think there's a lesson there, isn't there? I think inherently everyone has something to offer, even if you don't necessarily respect their kind of opinion or their kind of belief system. Yeah, everybody on this kind of planet, really, you know, you can learn from. Mm -hmm. They've got a kind of unique perspective. They've got experiences which have shaped their life. Adversity that they can kind of tell you about, successes that they can um, kind of talk you through. And we don't stop to, to, to listen and reflect on those mm -hmm. anywhere near enough as we should. Um, it's actually really, really, I was thinking about this before, is that you know, the gym is, you know, it is a proper melting pot for people. Mm -hmm. you, know, you do get people from all walks of life. Um, there's so many people that I've met here that I would never meet in any other walk of life, simply because of, you know, at work, you're, you're um, very much, uh, it's a quite closed, you know, social sphere. You get people that, you know, mostly group think and think that you're far from it. But, um, People have had similar experiences. They've been to university. They've made postgraduate degrees. They've then worked in financial services, and they kind of come here. Um, and then the only kind of differential often is, is kind of age. Um, you know, even I guess where you live and the neighbourhoods you live in, you know, it's ultimately back to the class thing. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's it's uh, you know, where can you afford to live? You know, versus somewhere else. Um, but I guess the, the, those kind of common you know, kind of objectives, and everyone's here for the same reason. And, um, and everyone's football clubs, actually. You know, football clubs are really quite interesting as, as a, um, a kind of a social construct mm -hmm. because you can be, I think, mean, you know, any sports club, actually. I'm saying football club, it could be a, a boxer, a UFC fighter, a, you know, a cricket team. But um, there is a kind of a sense of connectivity there that you have with people that you've kind of never met through shared experience. Um, uh, and you, you know, millions of people potentially across the, of the world, whereby um, uh, you have something in common with them. Um, I think the gym is a little bit like that in a strange way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so even if you know, class, sex, gender, you know, whatever you can sit on the, of the spectrum, um, there is a. I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm struggling, but a. Uh, <laughs> A common kind of set of kind of, of goals. It brings everyone together as a community, doesn't it? Yeah. An unexpected community, because generally, generally when you think of communities, you think of again class, where you live, the the, the town or the village that you live in. That that's your community. Whereas obviously in the gym, it's a community. It's a melting pot of all of these different people and all of these different characters and from all walks of life, different. Ages, shapes, sizes, you know, and they have got that one common common factor of if they're in the gym 
Because they want to be healthier. Mm. There's lot, lots of interesting actually labels about body shapes, mind, isn't there, in the gym? <sighs> Too many. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I can remember, as a, I, wasn't, I wasn't a particularly lanky kid, but I definitely was skinny. <laughs> and um, it was almost certainly probably being called skinny by people, I think, looking back at it. Um, and that definitely is an interesting one in terms of actually, you know, you think genetically that's just how you, you make, your makeup is. Um, and I know people as well that were kind of overweight and they felt that's just that it becomes really part of their identity. Yeah. That you know, actually, you know, oh, he's that fat kid. Yeah. And that, I mean, me and Ross touched on it um, in our, in the pilot podcast. Um, it changes people's behaviour because sometimes that skinny kid always... Mm. Not acts like a skinny kid, because how do you act like a skinny kid? But, you know, might avoid the gym through mm. fear of, of, of not fitting in in that environment. And then people who call themselves fat. Um, I'm destined to be fat. I'm always going to be yeah, fat. Yeah. I might as well eat that cake because I'm fat. And it, it, it does. It sort of the ends up being a pattern and a trend in the behaviours. It's very difficult to break out of it as well. Oh, massively. Massively. So how did you break out of that one then, if you, if you feel like you were labelled skinny? Uh, God, I don't know. It, I, I guess about kind of courage and taking the you know, first steps, really. Mm -hmm. And then I, th I think in particular realising that, you know, kind of in an environment in the gym that everyone's there for themselves and that no one really cares, no one's looking at you mm -hmm. and doing their own thing. Everyone's kind of on their own journey. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, yeah, you're just a kind of a, a side character in their life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then once you kind of get out of that kind of that headspace, it's really quite straightforward. Because you started with us on PT, didn't you? Yeah. It was always very one-to-one. One one. But that was deliberate, though, as well, probably because actually, you know, group sessions would be a bit scary. It's like, OK, you know, mm -hmm. this skinny, weak kid. That was my next question. You've answered it without us having to ask. Was it? <laughs> it was about, like, obviously, was that, was that deliberate? Did you, did yeah, you yeah, decide on one-to-one? For that reason. Yeah. I think I, I'm incredibly confident, and it always have been for almost all works of life, but that's it's an environment that was new and it's a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. And you're know, kind of a group of you know, five or six guys, you don't want to be someone that, could, you know, at the time I could barely lift the bar. Mm -hmm. And now you can, though, can't you? I, I can lift the bar sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, imagine, imagine if you'd stayed in that mindset of, you know, the fact that you didn't belong in a group or you were nervous or anxious about being in a group. Yeah. What would you have missed out on from joining the group environment? Uh, well, I mean, you, you know, there's so much camaraderie to start with. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do an advert for your, for your uh, gym I'm sessions. I'm not asking for an advert for the gym sessions. But, yeah. I do that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Ross, Ross made it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's that yeah, that kind of camaraderie, that kind of shared experience, um, uh, meeting new people. Uh, inherently, it's quite a different kind of environment. It's a more fun environment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it's one that I think if you've never been near a gym before, you'd skate off shitless potentially. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know, a lot of people, particularly. You know, any kind of gym that it's centered around like a free weights, you know, inherently they are scary. You know, if you've never done it before, mm -hmm. the movements look scary, the weights look heavy, you know, and, and I guess that's where you get people that just sign up to commercial gyms and sit on machines all the time and don't really get anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, 
So suppose there's a couple of points in this, in this conversation where we've actually highlighted the benefits of dropping the labels mm -hmm. because, you know, my relationship with you now might have been completely different had I let the label sort of take over. Yeah. Your relationships with various people in the gym and, and sort of your, your viewpoint on being here and the enjoyment element of it. Um, might not have happened had you not sort of dropped the whole being nervous about the weights and how it looked and yeah, intimidated. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, it quite clearly demonstrates how important on occasion it is to, to drop these sort of preconceived ideas that we have of things. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's difficult though where, you know, so the posh one is quite easy for you to drop. It's easy, relatively easy because, you know, that is then about, as we talked about before, if you can have the conversation, if you can respect someone else, if you can understand them, mm -hmm. and actually, you know, like I said, understand what they have to offer. When it's a label, I think is self-attributed, you know, so let's say skinny or weak or something, um, that's much more difficult to drop. That's kind of delving really quite deep into your kind of psyche, mm -hmm. I think, to, to get rid of that. Because also there's an element of truth, right? So that there's an element of truth in it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think if we, if I, I suppose that's a thing, if we internalise labels and if we've come, I mean, ultimately, those labels come from somewhere. Yeah. And it's not always from self, mm. but it's the fact that we've then internalised them and we've identified them when we've become them. Like, do you know, like, was it you that called yourself skinny first or was it someone else past comment and... It's registered and it's gradually grown yeah, into probably, yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I guess you have to be aware of, of the, the the label in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. If we had a society that I suppose didn't it was very much more kind of you know body positive, you know, we wouldn't be having the conversation, would we? Because people, people perhaps wouldn't you know, see skinny, fat, whatever as mm -hmm. as necessarily the issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm coming, up, coming from, we're coming from a point actually, I suppose, that you know, actually, your skinny is bad, and that there is something that you can kind of improve too. Yeah. So skinny is a negative label, mm. but to some people, skinny would be a positive label. Yeah. Because it would mean that they would lost weight, and maybe they've always identified as a an overweight or a fat person. Mm. It's very interesting. I always like, I, I like obviously having a different opinion and talking about different labels and things mm. like that with people, because I do, I think it, it massively gets your mind working. And That's good, you've got a podcast on it now, so it's just as well you like talking about it. Well, I know, <laughs> that was the whole point, because I, I, I found it really interesting, and, and I suppose I'm at an age in my life where I want to grow as a person, I don't, mm. I don't want to always stay the same. It's like you get some people who always want to educate themselves and learn new like not learn new habits, but learn new skills. And I think self-development's quite a big, yeah. broad spectrum. Um, and I think self-development in being able to look at yourself mm. and look at labels and look at how you judge other people is quite a big, a big area of growth. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I focused, focused in on it and keeping us awake at night sometimes, thinking about various conversations that I've had with people and thinking, should I have said that? And, is that judgmental? And so tonight you'll be thinking about all the people you called a slut before. <laughs> Don't stop talking about it. <laughs> no, it's like, and, and then and then sort of a justification sometimes creeps in, and then it's like, no, I need to. 
it's not something that needs to be justified. It's something that I need to, I need to explore different opinions on certain topics mm. because I think that's so important to be able to actually sit and listen to someone else's opinion on something. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you turned in the interview at the day um, <laughs> and asking me questions, so I'm going to roll reverse. Okay. Did you have any labels for, for, for me when you first started? Oh, God. Um, not that I can think of, but it, it, it's, you know, specifically for you, but um, and it, it's awful to say it, but I understand what you said before with the accent thing. Yeah. I do get that. And I, I'd be lying if I said I haven't thought about that for people previously. Um, uh, and despite my accent, actually, I'm, I'm more northern than you, <laughs> technically. Uh, technically a Geordie. <laughs> But um, Ugh, <laughs> not that you, not that you would know it, but um, yeah, that that is a, a preconception. I think that you're, you know, when you speak to people and you, you hear the kind of the accent, you think you hear kind of somewhere that you know, there's a, there's a kind of education thing. Mm -hmm. and it's complete bollocks. That's possibly the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can live with that. I can yeah. live with that because I'd already labelled myself as that, so I suppose it, it, I kind of give off that vibe as well. Mm. Maybe. But yeah, it's interesting. Interesting that one, definitely. So, I try and touch on current events. Yes. And other things that are that are a focal point at the moment. Um, so it's Mental Health Week. Mm -hmm. So, what is your view of that, as from a label perspective, mental health? Go. So I oh god, <laughs> so I, just go. I think I think as as a country we've got a lot better. I think because there certainly was, and this probably still is in some kind of demographics, a stigma with mental health. Um, I think that's born out of a lack of understanding. Um, and I think you know what what we've done is is really just kind of opened the lid on it. Mm -hmm. I think a little bit more and and um, encouraged conversation about it. Uh, and I think people talk about it much more kind of freely now than they ever have, which is which is good. But there's still so much more to do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely a, a mental health kind of, you know, pandemic, you know, I guess in the country. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about the lack of, of um, services mm -hmm. uh, around that. You know, if people do have issues, you know, the waiting list are weeks, if not, well, certainly not weeks, you know, tens of weeks, if not months yeah. before they can actually kind of, uh, can be seen, but I think the stigma is is slowly going away. Because you know, certainly in the last two years, everyone's resilience has been tested. Mm -hmm. I think you'd be hard pressed to speak to anyone that um, you know hasn't felt down or low or you know, had depressive incidents or anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's just I think you know, through that kind of adversity that everyone's faced. Um, but yeah. So. A couple of weeks ago, I, I watched a, a clip from um, Steve Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. Mm -hmm. Do you listen to that one? I don't, but I know who he is. Yeah. I know the podcast, yeah. So he did one with uh, Piers Morgan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, labelled Piers Morgan, most people think he's a twat. Mm -hmm. um, historically, a lot of what he has done justified, justified, <laughs> justified and calling him a bit of a twat. Um, but I think he's got a lot to offer in, in some of his opinions, and one of his opinions was on mental health, um, and that was the snippet that, 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 I, uh, that I watched. And he was talking about the difference between mental health and mental illness, 
And obviously where you're talking about the waiting lists and, and limited access to to sort of services and things like that. And, and he says, you know, 33 billion people have been diagnosed with mental health. And he says, but it, you know, it's bollocks. It's not mental health. Um, and there's, a, there's this whole difference between mental health and mental illness. Mental illness is where you actually need treatment. You know, you, you need to be under the care and supervision of someone else. Whereas mental health is sort of used on a broader scope as people who, who are suffering with general anxiety. Mm. You know, kids going through anxiety with exams, um, anxiety over relationships, um, you know, and, and feeling low in self because of circumstances. And he was talking about resilience in, in the sense of, you know, he always gets slated for having a stiff upper lip, but that's how he's, he deals with, mm. with problems in his life. Um, and he was saying, obviously, you, you know, you can't get away. You, you get absolutely bollocked for saying stuff like that, especially in a position that he's in, um, because it sort of lessens mental health in a sense. And he's saying, well, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to make sure that the people who have mental illness, who need the help, aren't sitting on waiting lists for months because those people don't have months. Those people need help, help now. And I suppose that's, that's an opinion I've had. It's, it's something that I've discussed before. Like, you know, you can, be, you can have anxiety, you can, you can feel low, you can grieve, you can feel things that are so powerful that, you, you know, you don't want to get out of bed some days. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you need help to the same yeah, degree. I, I think, you know, it, it's difficult because if you start kind of belittling people, mm -hmm. you know, so I think you possibly done and I know that you know, kind of definitions of kind of mental health you know, have expanded you know definitions of vulnerability have kind of expanded generally um, uh, and it, I, I just think it's wrong to inherently tell someone that they don't have a problem or that mm -hmm. they're, you know what they're experiencing isn't you know get over it because it's not as bad as you know what someone mm -hmm. else is doing and I, you know, I, I, I completely accept that you know that there's something with distinction between kind of mental health and kind of genuine kind of mental illnesses when we talk about you know, psychosis or something mm -hmm. or kind of you know, bipolar that you know quite clear that's a, a really quite severe often clinical condition yeah. versus kind of I guess just kind of anxiety and depression but it tries on that to you know 12 year old kid that feels like that because they're being you know, bullied at school just to yeah. get over it yeah um it, it's one of those I don't think you would tell a 12 year old kid to get over it that's the thing. As a, as, but as I suppose a, you know, if, if, if he, he's on you know, Good Morning, well, he's not Good Morning anymore, if he's on television and, you know, actually, you know, social media telling kids to, you know, kind of grow up, you know, stiff up a lip, and they're actually internalising that and, mm -hmm. and not coming forward. Yeah. Because they think, actually, oh, well, you know, this is how life is. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of feelings can manifest and can explode exponentially over time. Yeah. Um, See, this is why I like an alternative opinion, because I suppose when you start thinking about these things in more depth, it's more about balance. It's about having a balanced approach to things, because I do, I do think you have to teach kids to have a stiff upper lip. And I suppose it's us down to us as adults, as parents, as people in authority to think about how we word things and how we, how we talk about dealing with life because at the end of the day, life happens. There's nothing, there's nothing anyone, anyone can do to stop 
exams, you know, you have to go through exams. More often than not, you have to go through some shit at school where someone's giving you a stick. Like, I went through it. You know, the oldest boy's been through it. I'm trying to think of whether Ross has actually been through it. He was probably on the other side. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it, it is... You, you've got to teach them that... You've got to have some level of resilience at the same time as, as, as being able to talk about your problems. Like, I hate the fact that kids come home from school and the, they feel like they can't talk about the fact that they've been bullied and they do internalise it. But at the same time, it's like, well, how much has happened in their life prior to that for them to either, one, not be able to openly talk about it with the parents, mm. who realistically should be the one person that they can talk about it, or two people that they can talk about it to, um, and what's happened, sort of, they... Like, what... It's empowering to me, isn't it? It's about mm. you making sure that there's a, kind of a safe space for, a, mm -hmm. a kind of, for conversations and that you, you can bring up children in a way that... Um, you know, they kind of inherently trust mm -hmm. you um, and feel that they can talk about anything. I, I guess you know, lots of people probably don't have that you know, nurturing environment. Mm -hmm. I suppose I just feel like it, it, it is a lot about balance, but when we talk about mental health, I think it encompasses so many different things. Like labels do now, it's so many different elements that... that some of them need separating in a sense so that the people who you know are clinical mm -hmm. get the help they need but then maybe dealing with other like have other counseling sort of avenues available to other people yeah i wouldn't disagree <laughs> what are you holding up there <laughs> couple more minutes <laughs> How do we want to wrap up on that then? I don't know, how do you wrap up? <laughs> well, this is the first time this has happened where we go, hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's quite a big topic. It is, it is, it's quite a controversial topic as well, I suppose. Um, and I, I'm no doubt going to be discussing it with, with multiple people, but, it, it, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to a balance and being more open-minded. Yeah. to the various labels surrounding that. I, I think it's about, it's about talking, it's about understanding, and it's about changing, you know, I think what previously is where you kind of long-held historic stigma mm -hmm. um, that, you know, actually, and you talk, again, talk about labels, you know, and there's certainly it's possibly slightly older generations that they can have your mental health and the word that comes to mind is weak. Right. I think. Yeah. Um, instead, actually, it's, just, it's part of the human condition. Yeah. And you know, in many cases as well, I guess you have you know, depression. It's it's a you know, chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not something that you know, they can necessarily do anything about. Yeah. Um, but I think we're getting there slowly, very, 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 very slowly. So I guess we're ending this this chat then on the fact that as a society that there's quite a fundamental label to be dropped there, which is, is the stereotype of, of someone suffering with the mental health being weak. Mm. Yeah. So that's how, why it's important to drop the label. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been lovely talking to you, Tom. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>